Um, we're still in our study, Faith Will Flourish in an Understanding Heart. Faith Will Flourish in an Understanding Heart. And um, I don't know how long we will be on this subject, but uh, I'm just telling you right now, there is a lot in the Word of God, Old Testament and New Testament, um, on the subject of understanding and the importance of, um, of understanding. And one of the things that I, I guess maybe has been obvious to all of you, but it, it just became really clear to me um, uh, is that the, the opposite of understanding. In other words, if faith will flourish in an understanding heart, we know that in a heart that doesn't understand, faith will be hindered. But what is the opposite of, a, of an understanding heart? Well, we could say that it lacks understanding, and that would be true. Um, the, opposite of the opposite of understanding is a misunderstanding. But the two words that really, um, and maybe a third one, that, that really, I think, kind of registered with, with me and my spirit is, um, are the words uh, ignorance and confusion. Now, ignorance just simply means you don't know. And if you don't know, you don't know. But if, if you don't understand certain things, then it's going to be very difficult for your faith to function. Like, like for instance, if, I mean, the simplest way to illustrate this is um, uh, how can they call on him whom they've never heard? Um, how can they hear unless someone tells them? And how can someone tell them unless somebody sends people to go tell them, Right. So the idea is, if God's given every person the measure of faith, um, but if, if no one ever shares the message of the gospel uh, with that person, then how can they ever call upon the name of the Lord? If they remain ignorant uh, as to who Jesus is, if we never tell the world about him, then how can the world call on him uh, to be saved? And so... What's true about salvation is often is also true about other things like healing, and prosperity, and divine protection, and uh, and 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 deliverance from uh, you know all types of enslavement to sin and, and to the flesh. Right. So, for instance, there's a lot of people who have heard the message about the new birth and salvation, and they've responded to that, but they're still ignorant when it comes to healing. They're still ignorant when, when, they, uh, you know, when it comes to these other things. So ignorance would be, you know, in the heart would be not knowing. Um, but then I think what is also the case for a lot of people, and I know when I look back over my life and walk with the Lord, is that there have been over the years a lot of things that I've been confused about right? I've been confused about. And, and so um, I was sharing this in, uh, in the discipleship class. Um, I was confused uh, for a lot of years about righteousness. And, you know, my understanding was that in order to be right with God, um, I had to toe the line. I, I had to, um, you know, uh, obey the commandments and I had to uh, read my Bible and I had to pray and I had to, you know, I don't know if you ever, we were talking about this uh, uh, recently amongst our family back when you had to check off all those little boxes in the Sunday school uh, uh, accountability card, you know, and, and, and this whole idea, well, you know, the way I understood it and I was clearly confused was that my right standing with God was based upon my performance. 
It was, it was based on what I've done for God lately. And, and of course, the Bible clearly explains that that's not the case, right? But notice, because I was confused in, in these areas, it, it created a lot of frustration in my life. It created um, a lot of condemnation in my life. It, a lot of unnecessary angst, right, in my relationship with God um, that, of course, an understanding of righteousness by faith, apart from the law, um, did away with once I had that understanding. So when we talk about faith flourishing in an understanding heart, um, first of all, we need to cry out to God for understanding. But the, the, the other aspect of this confusion thing is, you know, you've got ignorance and then you've got um, a confusion, but then somewhere kind of in that whole mixture is deception. And deception is when you think you understand, but don't. When you think you've got it all figured out, and you do not have it all figured out. When you think you know. That's why, and, and my parents you know, taught me this, and, and I have certainly tried to uh, uh, abide by it throughout my life, is to remain teachable. Um, don't, nobody likes a know-it-all, and nobody is a know-it-all. And the Bible's very clear. If any man thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know it. And so I am so thankful for the things that the Lord is helping all of us understand. But we also need to realize that there are still things that we are ignorant about. There are things that we are confused about. And as, as I hate to say it, but still things that we're deceived about. And the, and the Bible says this. The Bible says the whole world to some extent, every person to some extent, um, is, is dealing with some area of deception um, in their lives. And I'm not, I'm not here to try to speak anything negative on you. I'm just saying that humility is the master key to life and, and to recognize, you know, first of all, thankful for what we know, thankful for what we understand, but also recognize that there are still areas in our, in our hearts that um, that we don't understand, that that we um, are confused uh, about, um, that we think is one way, that uh, you know is actually uh, another way altogether, and and so it's not. Listen to me, please. You know there are all kinds of philosophies in the world. There's all kinds of of um, of approaches to life. You know enlightenment, and and if we just understand, don't confuse. Don't be confused about this. I'm not saying that um, that all we need is understanding. Okay, um, we need the Lord. Amen. Um, and then He didn't say the just live by understanding. He said the just live by faith. Right. But he but he also said that the principal thing is is wisdom. Amen. And and you think well, how could the principal thing be wisdom? Is 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 wisdom more important than faith? You're thinking that you're looking at it wrong. It's not that wisdom is more important than faith, but if God has given you the measure of faith, but you don't have any understanding of what faith is, how faith works, you see. So it's not an either or thing, it's a both and. 
you know, we're not saying that, you know, if we can just, you know, achieve some higher level of understanding and enlightenment, then, then, you know, we will, you know, come into a utopia kind of life. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you have a measure of faith inside of you that can overcome anything that this world, any obstacle, any mountain, any barrier, any sickness, any sin, any addiction, any depression, any anxiety. I mean, you've got faith in you that will overcome it all, right? But if our hearts are ignorant, confused, and deceived, not to mention the one we've already talked about that gets a few grunts every time I say it, stubborn, then our faith can't flourish and produce in our lives the results that it would otherwise produce. Amen? Now, Matthew chapter 8, and this is the story of um, the account, rather. It's not made up. This is, these are real people. They have real names. Amen? Um, in Matthew chapter 8, it says, Then when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a, certain, uh, a centurion rather came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented and Jesus said I will come and heal him the centurion answered and said Lord I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof but only speak a word and my servant will be healed for I also am a man under authority having soldiers under me and I say to this one go and he goes and to another come and he comes and to my servant do this and he does it when Jesus heard it he marveled and said to those who followed assuredly I say to you I have not found such great faith not even in Israel If we keep reading, we find in verse 13, Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And this servant was healed that same hour. James talks about our faith working together with our works. In in other words, faith without a corresponding action, faith without some kind of follow-through, the Bible says, is dead or, or dormant. Okay. But faith is released through action. Faith is released through confession, for instance. Um, the faith that, 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 that is used to receive salvation is released by confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And this is how the scriptures say a, a, a man or a woman uh, is born again, is, is receives receive salvation. But what the Lord is showing us, and I tried to go back down this road again tonight i'll just go briefly because there's a couple things i want us to make sure we get to but it requires understanding to know how to act on faith are you are you understand what i'm saying in other words faith without works is dead but in other words there if you're going to to release faith by confessing then there has to at some point in in that equation uh be some level of understanding on what to confess, on what, are you, or on what to do. You know, we understand from scriptures that um, you can anoint someone with oil who's sick, lay hands on them, and pray the prayer of faith, right? And the Bible says that the prayer of faith um, will heal the sick, and if they've committed sins, they'll be forgiven them, all right? But so notice, laying on of hands is an, is an act of faith. Anointing with oil, it's an, it's an act of faith, one that we know to do because we've received understanding from the scriptures. It's not like somebody just one day said, you know, I think it'd be pretty cool if we just put hands on them. You know, all in favor of putting some oil on people's heads, 
uh, for healing say I. No, th- th- God told us this, right? I mean, I know you're in favor of it, but I'm saying we didn't just come up with that on our own. This, this is God's way. This is his way of, of doing things. We didn't come up with dunking somebody under the water. Th- th- these are God's ways. So when we're baptized in water, it's an act of faith, but we know to do that because we have understanding to release our faith through that action. Is, is this making sense to you? All right. So we, we, we can't overlook the importance of understanding when it comes to operating in faith. Faith will flourish in an understanding heart. Certainly faith is released through action, but if there's no understanding, then, you know, we're just, you know, rolling the dice, rolling the prayer dice, hoping something comes up snake eyes. And that's, again, Father has much more in store for us than that, right? Now, in this um, particular account, we see a man whose faith astounded Jesus. It, it marveled Jesus. He, he was amazed by it. I don't, maybe astound's not the right word. It, 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 Jesus was just, I mean, he pointed it out that, you know, that, that, that you know, this, this faith, and never, not seen any like it in all of Israel. Um, I mean, he was, he was putting a faith display on um, that, uh, you know, keep in mind, Jesus is, uh, Disciples were standing right there <laughs> when he says, I hadn't seen faith like this in anybody. You know, that included them. And so this man's faith was released in what he said. This, this man's faith was released when he says, look, speak the word only. I'm a man under authority. You're a man under authority. All, all of that was the releasing of his faith. It, it says it in verse 13. Um, go your way as you have believed. This man didn't say anything about believing anything. He didn't say anything about faith. But this was faith in a seamless, um, genuine, beautiful expression of it. Okay? So it's real easy. It's real easy to say this is what the man did. Okay? This is what the man um, said. And, and this was his... Um, great display of faith, all the while overlooking what the man understood. And I'm offering to you that this great display of the measure of faith was because of an understanding this man had that others did not have, okay? Now, let me just real quick, like, I'm not going to, I'm just going to read them, okay? We said the first thing, it seemed logical to the centurion that Jesus would do for his servant what had been freely done for many others. The centurion understood that Jesus was not acting alone. The centurion understood the king and kingdom Jesus represented wanted people healed and had the power to carry it out. The centurion understood the authority Jesus was under gave him authority over sickness and disease. Number five, it was inconceivable to the centurion that a subordinate would not obey a superior. Number six, it was inconceivable to the centurion that a subordinate would delay obedience to a superior. Now, we keep getting right here, and I'm, I am pushing past it. In Jesus' name, he's going to help me. I've already talked to him about it. Amen. But let me just say one more time, this is an area of tremendous confusion 
in many people's hearts when it comes to healing. Okay? Are you hearing me? This is an area of confusion in many people's hearts. Many people understand healing as something God rarely does. They understand, again, they're confused. And, and when it comes to timing and healing, so I'm not by any means going to go back over all those verses, but last week we looked at no less than 21 different verses where people were healed and the emphasis in each of those verses was that they were healed immediately. Immediately. Not in a single healing situation that Jesus was involved in do we see him tell anybody no that he will not heal them not in a single situation in in Jesus earthly ministry do we tell him that it's the, 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 where we see him tell somebody that um, yes healing is for you but you need to wait for it but what we do see is over and over and over again Jesus healed every person that was there that was believing him for healing, and he healed them immediately. Now, lest you forget, we wound up in this place in our study because the disciples witnessed Jesus feed two groups of people with a little boy's lunch and still had no understanding in their hearts that this was a common thing, right? And there's... It was, you think, well, but just because all that happened doesn't mean that's what God wants to keep on happening according to the Scriptures. <laughs> that's exactly. When, and there's every time Jesus would, would correct them or even rebuke them for a hardened heart that didn't understand, it was because they still considered the next situation as if the last miracles never happened. And clearly, Jesus was wanting to craft and develop within them and within us an understanding of these things that would allow our faith for these things to flourish and produce results, produce results in our lives. All right? Now, number seven. Let's talk this new, new stuff here. Number seven, what did the centurion understand? The centurion understood he was not deserving of a miracle. But unlike many others, he also understood that was not a factor. If, if I was just going to reduce this list um, to two things, the first thing that I would talk about is the centurion's understanding of authority and Jesus being a man under authority, therefore he had authority over sickness and disease. That to me was one of the great understandings that, um, that the centurion had that allowed him to, to display faith um, in, in such a strong and, and uh, amazing way. Uh, you know, for Jesus to point it out. That's number one. Number two, I believe it would be this one right here. And as far as um, the people that I'm privileged to speak into their lives and minister to on a daily basis uh, or a weekly basis, um, I think I think collectively we have a pretty good understanding of authority 
In other words, I, I'm not, I, don't, I don't think it comes, I don't think we're confused or ignorant or deceived about Jesus' authority over sickness and disease. Okay. So I believe that it's this area right here where so many people, right, so many people are confused. So many people have a misunderstanding. So many people have, uh, are ignorant or um, even uh, deceived when it, when it comes to this one thing right here. I think it's so interesting. And, and listen, I'm, you know, I love to talk about what Jesus has done for us. And I love to talk about how he has made us sons and, and daughters. And we're the offspring of God. We're heirs of God. We're joint heirs with Jesus. And so sometimes, you know, I would preach and teach from this particular passage. And I'm like wanting to give this centurion uh, a speech, you know. Man, don't, don't be talking down to yourself. You know, I'm wanting to, I, I'm, I'm wanting to you know, try to encourage him. To, to, to not be talking about how unworthy and undeserving he is. But guess what? I would be wrong. This man knew that he was unworthy. This man knew that he didn't deserve a second glance from Jesus. This man knew that there was nothing in his life that he had ever done that would make him deserve a visit to his home from Jesus, much less a miracle from him. This man understood that. Now, there are a lot of people in the body of Christ who understand that, but their understanding of not deserving or earning or anything they could do to, 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 to deserve it, right? They see that as a factor in receiving or in Jesus being willing to do it for them. People t- talk all the time about how you know unworthy and undeserving all these other things. Okay, well, if you want to make that case, but for Jesus, none of us are worthy of anything. But for Jesus, all we deserve is a, is eternity in a devil's hell. All right, okay. But notice, it's this: I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy of it. I'm this. So the amazing thing about this man's understanding is, number one, he understood that he wasn't worthy. But number two, he also understood that he didn't have to be. That, that, that it, it wasn't about him deserving it. It wasn't that Jesus, let me say it another way. He understood that Jesus didn't operate on that basis. He didn't only do for people who deserved it. He didn't only do for people who were worthy of it. He didn't just help people who were good people that, 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 um, that had somehow um, you know, put God in their debt. He recognized that he was not deserving, but that not being deserving was not a factor. Maybe I'm not saying this right. Amen. I believe the centurion's understanding of this basic truth ranks right up there with his understanding of authority as far as importance of things that he understood. I put this in my notes. A works-based understanding is like a wet blanket to the flames of faith. And this is where the enemy trips so many of God's people up when it comes to faith. 
when it comes to operating in faith, when it comes to receiving from God. Remember, it's by grace through faith. Grace and faith. These are the power twins of God's kingdom, right? Grace is, is, is free, undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor from God. It's God doing for you and giving to you and helping you because he loves you and because he wants to do it, not because you've earned it or deserve it or have somehow been good enough to where he owes it to you. When we come to God with a works-based understanding that it's about what we've earned or deserved based upon how good we've been or or how bad we've not been, or however you want to look at that, it is like a wet blanket. It, exting- it quenches faith. It quenches the spirit. Can I tell you what it is? It's pride. That, that, that's, that's one of the key things that we need to understand uh, about this, is that you know w- we see so many people in our world who won't let other people help them because of pride. People who need the help of somebody else, but they won't ask or they won't reach out or they won't let other people help them or do for them. And it's pride, right? Who gets the help? The humble get the help. The humble get the grace. Pride will cause God to resist you. Humility, right? Uh, The Bible says that God gives grace and more grace, more help, help and more help to the humble. Amen. Let's, um, let's go here. Just a few verses and we'll finish for tonight. Romans 4 and 16. <clears throat> this is in a whole bunch of verses that, that speak to this one point. So when you say therefore, therefore means in light of what we've just established in the Scriptures. And what we've just established in the Scriptures is that Abraham understood um, that grace was something he did, he did not earn and could not earn, that if you work for it, then it's a debt that's owed, not a gift that's given. Okay, so therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Same verse from the English Standard Version. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. Not only to the adherent of the law, somebody who obeys the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Man, please don't overlook the importance of this right here. He, he, first of all, this centurion servant was healed because of the grace of God. Right? And notice, what, what does that mean, grace of God? This was something that, that God enjoys doing. Remember, we've, he already understood that. I mean, it was very obvious to him that, um, that the king and kingdom that Jesus represented um, was all about healing people and had the power and authority to do it something that Jesus enjoyed doing, something that was fun, right? And so this man also then recognized that it it wasn't something that he could pay for, it wasn't something that he deserved, it wasn't something he could that he earned, that it that it 
was just the opposite of that. It, it was something that you humbled yourself and asked for. You know, not, um, you know, this is what I've done, this is who I am, this is the authority I have. Do you realize this man had the authority to send soldiers to, to apprehend Jesus and take Jesus to his house? That's, that's the authority that this man had. I mean, this, this man could have, um, again, um, not that Jesus would have went kicking and screaming. He could have drugged Jesus to his house if he wanted to. But this man understood that this, that's not how any of this works. That's, that's not what this is all about. And so he humbly asked he humbly asked. Now, again, Romans 4 and 16 wasn't even written yet for this man to know that. But that's what he's saying here. He's saying, he's saying that God has set this whole thing up to work by grace so that everybody can get in on it. Romans 4, 16 from the Message Translation. This is why the fulfillment of God's promises depends entirely on trusting God and His way and then simply embracing Him and what He does. God's promise arrives as pure gift. That's the only way everyone can be sure to get in on it. Those who keep the religious traditions and those who have never heard of them. For Abraham is father of us all. He is not our racial father. That's reading the story backward. He's our faith father. He's our faith father, right? So, you remember when we've... we've uh, uh, no, we talked about it in class. I thought we talked about it in here. Praise God. They, um, they let the man down through the roof, and Jesus forgave his sins, and he, and he healed him. We talked about that, I think, last week. What is easier was the question. Which one's easier? Jesus asked, forgive the sins or heal. They're both easy to him. But if you, read, if you read that very carefully, that house was filled with religious leaders. That, that particular, you know, Jesus had all kinds of meetings in all kinds of places. And he would get out in the countryside and people would travel out there to him, to hear him, receive from him, be ministered to by him. But in this particular situation, and I, I I don't know if one of the gospel accounts, I don't think it does, but there were times when these religious leaders would actually invite Jesus to their, to their homes. I don't know if it was that case or not. But anyway, there were a bunch of the religious establishment there in that house that day, and the Bible makes it very clear. And the Bible makes it clear because, because the Holy Spirit wanted us to know this. The Bible says that the power of God was present to heal those religious leaders. In other words, on that, on that particular day, on that particular day, Father God had every intentions. I'm talking about men that were on the fence about Jesus, men that had already decided he was a phony, men that were still kind of hanging around long enough because they just weren't sure what to think about him. Father God that day, he, he was going to perform all kinds of healing miracles in those men's lives. I'm convinced, I can't prove this in Scripture, but I just feel in my heart that there are men who were in that house on that day 
right, that could have become Jesus' disciples, but instead wound up on the wrong side of the cornerstone and were instead men that were shouting later for his crucifixion. They were, they were on the fence. They were in that valley of decision. They could have went either way. And so Father God, in his love and in his mercy, his plans were to heal those men, but none of those folks were receiving healing but they let the guy down through the roof and, and he was healed in front of them. But we still have no other record of anyone else that day being healed other than that one person. Now, why am I bringing that up? Because here we see that he's talking about, you know, those who have the law, the Jew that, that, that tries to live according to the law. And then the centurion, he's an outsider. He's a, he, he's a man of war, um, but notice, they both have to come to God to receive from Him by faith. Just because, this, just because the religious guys had the law, tried to obey the law, you know, walked around like, you know, they're the cat's meow, all these other things, um, that, doesn't, that doesn't qualify them for grace. It, it, it all comes back to it's a pure gift, and if it's a pure gift, it has to be embraced and received by faith. That's the only way everyone can be sure to get in on it. Now, stand with me. I want you to think about right, that right there, okay? I want you to think, think about this right now, okay? Father God could have set this up any way he chose to set it up. But he chose to set it up, not on the basis of what somebody could be good enough to earn, but to set it up on the basis of using the faith, the measure of faith that he gave you. He gave every man the measure of faith. So this means we're all on the same playing field as far as, you know, level playing field, so to speak, if, if he's given to everyone the measure of faith. Why did he set it up that way? He set it up that way so nobody would be left out. He set it up that way so that anybody who wanted to receive from him could receive from him because the gift is free. Right? We talked about this, I don't know, it's been months ago now, but we've all been in situations where maybe you deserve the raise and somebody else, uh, or the promotion, and somebody else got the promotion, you know. Um, because they date the boss's daughter, or, or what? And as we've we've all been in situations where help or promotion or 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 you know these kinds of benefits are not being handed out fairly or equitably or evenly, right? You, you, you follow what I'm saying? So so Father God said, you know what? I'm going to give everybody the measure of faith. And I'm going to give everybody um, access um, to, to salvation, to my goodness, to my spirit, to, you know. And, and, and therefore, anybody, it can only be accessed by faith because it's a free gift. It can't be earned or deserved or bought or paid for. This is why he says now it becomes sure to everybody. It, it's so that now everybody who wants in on it can get in on it, all right? But there's, a, there's one more level to this that I want you to see. And that is Father's heart behind 
wanting everybody to get in on it. Do you see this? He's not trying to withhold things from us. He's not trying to keep healing back from us. He's not like, well, you haven't been good enough, so you're not going to get it. He just decided a long time ago, it's not based on whether you're good enough or not. You can't be good enough, and so there's no need to even base it on whether or not you're good enough. That's not it. The centurion was not good enough. He knew he wasn't good enough, but he knew that not being good enough didn't matter. Man, Jesus is like, finally somebody who gets it. Finally somebody who understands. Look at this faith, would you? Father, you're good to us. Thank you for helping us tonight in the areas of our understanding, Lord. Father, we we are leaving so much on the table, Lord, that we could otherwise be enjoying and experiencing in our lives. Lord, show us where we're ignorant. Show us where we're confused. Show us where we're deceived. Show us, Father, where attitudes and thought patterns, Lord, are are acting like a wet blanket to the to the flame of faith that's in our spirits, Lord. Father, thank you for what you have enabled us to understand. But Father, help us to not let what we know keep us from understanding what we don't know yet, what we, what we still need to know, what we still need to learn, what we still need to understand. Father, we echo the Apostle Paul when we say we have not yet arrived. There are all kinds of things, Lord, in our lives that we are far from experts on, Lord. So help us. We cry out for understanding tonight, Lord. We, we desire it. We pursue it. We seek you for it. And we believe that we receive it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for being here. Um,